How's it going, everybody? Welcome back for episode three of Self-Signed Artist. We've got some great info for you today, and while it isn't a strictly business topic, it's definitely something that can make or break your ability to have a business as an artist in the first place. We're talking about originality in your brand, and more specifically, how to be different, yet also familiar. So get ready to have all your preconceived notions about what it means to be a unique artist smashed, and then we'll piece them back together into a game plan for your music creation going forward. So stick with us. You're listening to Self-Signed Artist, the podcast that helps independent musicians run their brand like a business. Now, your hosts, Kobe Nelson and Jake Mannix. Previously, we talked about finding the one thing that you do, your niche, and then based on that, creating an avatar for your ideal fan. So building a foundation for your brand. It, it was big. We covered a lot in that episode. Mm-hmm. A major part of it is is finding out you know, where you fit and what works best for you. And as you continue through your career, this will change slightly or maybe it could change drastically a few times. Either way, it's best to like get a basis of this down as early as you can to get an idea of who you are as an artist and then say, you know, okay, this is who I am as an artist. Let's go from here. Right, exactly. So if you if you answered those four questions that we gave you, you should have some layout for that. You should have your brand's mood, the theme, your listeners and your audience, and what their other interests might be. So today we want to dive in deeper and add a little bit of clarity to one specific thing I sort of mentioned in passing during that discussion, and that's the idea of uniqueness. When I was talking about choosing one thing that you do well, your niche, I said... And I think my exact words were, quote, bonus points if it's unique, unquote. Now, I left it at that. And I think some of you out there probably heard me say that. And it gave you pause for a moment, like like bonus points. Like how, how is being unique a bonus? Isn't originality absolutely necessary? And you wouldn't be totally off base for thinking that. We're told all the time that in order to have our music be successful, it needs to be totally original. We need to be 100% ourselves and not pay you know, any attention to what anybody else is doing. Now, don't get me wrong. I just want to be really, really clear up front. I'm not saying that this isn't true, but what I want to challenge you to think about today is the idea of originality or uniqueness and what it really means for your music and for your business. So tell me this, what is original when it comes to music? Like, Jake, would you have any answer for that? Yeah, I'm not sure if there's uh, like anything truly original anymore that hasn't been done before. I think what gets people excited is when something sounds new and exciting and fresh to them. Like, even though even though it's going off of a genre that may already exist or a sound that already ex- exists, bringing something fresh or new to the table, you know, can give it a little bit of that spice that it needs to really grab someone's attention. That's what I think, at least. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. 
I mean, it's a hard question to answer and it almost comes down to the individual when you're, when you're hearing something, if you think it sounds new to you, we sort of default to an attitude of I'll know original when I hear it. If it's unique, I'll know. And like you said, Jake, that's based on what sounds new or fresh to us as individuals. So it's kind of an opinion. But if we really try and look at it objectively, there really isn't a line between original or not original. In fact, a lot of music, even across genres, shares a whole lot in common, like you know, chord progressions. The classic is the four chord progression song you've probably heard on YouTube or something like that, where tons and tons of songs share the same four chord progression. But things share other other little tidbits too, like little melodic chunks or motifs. Those, there are things that pop up in tons of different songs. Mm -hmm. Lyrical phrases, like especially lyric topics and sounds or, or general sonic characteristics like instrumentation or reverb, you know, space, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It, it, to even make it a little bit more complicated, aside from just the sound itself, we also organize music and musicians into categories like genres. And I mean, genres are literally by definition, groups of songs or groups of artists who sound pretty similar to one another. But at the same time, again, we also preach originality and uniqueness. So you have to be unique, but you also have to you know, fit in a category. It's a hard thing to reconcile. Clearly this isn't black and white and originality is some shade of gray in the middle. There's no set line for what's original and what's not. So you have to be different enough to stand out, but you can't be so, so different that we as listeners don't know what's going on or don't know how to categorize you and your music. In other words, just to sum this all up, too original may actually be a bad thing. And that really goes against all of our instincts. Kind of like the the band we spoke about last week for a little bit that had all the different genres combined, like doing it for the sake of being different rather than taking it from inspiration and using it in your own way, you know, whether that's what they did or not, or just trying too hard, like to make it work, I feel like ultimately leads to people's faces looking puzzled and not too many sales. And I mean, you can, you can definitely try too hard to be different. You can write you know, all microtonal music if you really wanted to. Right, yeah. If you wanted to be that different. Yeah, and then you're not going to fit into any category that we would normally think of in Western music. So, yeah, it's it's tough and you can go too far with it. So maybe let's flip the perspective and come at it from the opposite end. Instead of where's the line for original, what is unoriginal? And I mean, as as artists, we attach a lot of emotion to the idea of unoriginality, probably even more emotion than we attach to the idea of uniqueness, because we all hate unoriginality. It's the number one complaint I hear from anybody about any music. You know, you get like all such and such music, insert whatever genre or, or whatever it might be, sounds the same right? Like all rap sounds the same or all EDM sounds the same. 
and in fact, I would bet money that your mom at some point has said this to you oh, yeah. because it just gets said so much. It's a, a classic momism. A hundred percent. But to be fair to mom, it can kind of be true sometimes too. Like when, when something becomes popular, things all can start to sound the same. But to also be fair to the artists, like I would say that this is what a lot of people say about any genre until they dive a little deeper, that it, that it all sounds the same. Like until you really start to listen to that genre and find out the, the little nuances that make one artist or song different from another, like you don't really, everything kind of does sound the same. And, you know, that's how I used to be with country music and, and pop. But now some of my favorite artists are, are in those genres. Yeah, that's that's a very good point. There is a lot of nuance in there that if if you're not familiar with something, that nuance can can be lost on you. And then but even with with trends within the same genre too, after a while, when enough people jump onto a trend, even within a genre, it can start to sound all the same to somebody who's really well versed in that genre. And when that happens, that's just bad news all around. There are few things that can kill an artist's career faster than being, you know, universally labeled a ripoff of another artist or, you know, just as bad, you could be plain old generic. So if if people feel like you have nothing new to say and they've already heard everything you have to offer, they're just going to hit the skip button without even thinking about it or without even noticing. So obviously that's no good for you if you're trying to run a successful career. You need to have people interested in your music, at least some people. But again, we have that same sort of problem of drawing the line. Like where is the line that makes you a ripoff of another artist? Or where's the line that makes you sound generic or stale or derivative of something else? And then finally, how do you avoid being generic or a ripoff? and also make your music feel familiar and accessible enough to have a chance at finding success in the long run. And really, to me, this comes down to one thing, and it's something that all of you artists out there have most definitely heard of, and it it might even be something that's top of mind for you most days, but it's more complex than it appears on the surface. So that's what I want to go over, and that is the idea of influences. So influences, that's the the word of the day, put a star next to that one. And an influence or using influences is talking about using somebody else's work to inform your own. Well, let's be totally clear, not using somebody else's work as your own. Right, right, for sure. If you're using somebody else's work as your own, that's plagiarism and uh, a quick way to get yourself into a lawsuit. So no, we're, we're talking about hearing somebody else's work and allowing it to inform your own or letting it shape your work in some way. So in other words, we're talking about a reference that you might listen to. So to give an example, like if you had to build a bridge over a river. You would probably want to use some other bridges as a reference, as an influence. Maybe this example doesn't perfectly line up, but I think you get what I'm saying. If you if you try and forget all of the other bridges that have ever been built 
and you try and forget all the centuries of work that have led up to modern bridges and modern bridge design. And you say, I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to, you know, reinvent the bridge. Sure, you're going to end up with something original. You're going to end up with a bridge that nobody's seen before, but you're probably going to kill some people and mm -hmm. your your bridge is going to be on the news in a bad way after a collapse. And things don't really work like that. You don't always want to be completely original. You know what I mean? So using something that already exists as a reference is a good thing. But we run into some problems in our field, in an artistic field, because it's a little bit more complicated than bridges. When we're using references, that can turn into a bad thing if your work feels like a derivative of your reference. Or in other words, if it feels like your work is based entirely off of one other piece of work. Yeah. And I mean, no one cares if your bridge design looks like another bridge design as long as it gets you over the river or you know, as <laughs> right. long as it yeah. works. But I mean, if your music, your image or like any piece of your brand is just like what another artist has going on, then you have a problem. People can kind of feel that you're trying to rip them off or try too hard to be like someone else when you're limiting yourself to one or, or very few influences. Right. Yeah. If it's, if it's just one person that you're, you're trying to, to be like, and, and I mean, this kind of idea is fascinating to me and it's something that's really summed up well with one per particular example. And that's of George Lucas and Star Wars. So just as a disclaimer before I, I dive into the story, neither one of us, me or Jake, is a real Star Wars buff. I mean, would you would you agree with that, Jake? <laughs> I agree. Not my not my thing. <laughs> yeah. So so I apologize in advance if we get some detail wrong or if I offend you and because you're a diehard out there. Anyways, Star Wars and influences. So there's this book by Derek Thompson that talks about this connection at length, uh, and it's called Hitmakers. And we'll link that in the description uh, down below. It's worth a read. And it touches on a bunch of other great examples that are kind of parallel to this in music and other industries as well. But basically on this topic, George Lucas is pretty open about where his inspiration for Star Wars came from. So when he was a kid, he was really into Flash Gordon, which if you've never heard of that, it's sort of this sci-fi superhero comic that was also a TV show, which I, I think is how George Lucas got into it, as well as a few movies. And most of these were from the 1930s and 40s. It's got alien planets and spaceships, and most notably, swords and ray guns. So if you're familiar with Star Wars, that's a big part of this kind of Star Wars world, especially swords, like lightsabers. So look up some images from the original Flash Gordon films from the 30s and 40s, because there are some interesting parallels with Star Wars. And we'll also link some sites and photos uh, and articles in the description. So George Lucas just absolutely loved this stuff. He was all about it. And he definitely, even by his own admission, borrowed heavily from it. But 
I think you'll agree when you check out the Flash Gordon images, while certain elements are very similar, overall, it looks nothing like Star Wars. Flash Gordon, at least in the original comics and show versions, is like this half-medieval knight, muscly, skin-tight, bodysuit, comic book, superhero kind of guy. He's he's closer to Superman and light years away from Luke Skywalker, who's just kind of a, a scrawnyish underdog, even though he's the hero of the Star Wars movies. And the reason it's different is because George Lucas also borrowed heavily from another of his interests, and that was Westerns. So Western films, like the sort of ragtag teams of gunslinging outlaws kind of movies. And that vibe is all over Star Wars with Han Solo and bounty hunters and breaking into heavily guarded facilities or ships uh, and, and that type of stuff. But at the same time, you couldn't call Star Wars a ripoff of any particular Western either. And that's because Lucas also borrowed heavily from yet another of his interests, and that was war movies. And these were particularly World War II movies featuring depictions of the Nazis, Third Reich, and, and scenes involving fighter planes and dogfights in the air. And if you just take a look at the evil empire in any of the Star Wars movies, it's really, really easy to see the influence there, even down to the clothes that they wore and the color scheme of red, white, and black. Or if you look at any of the battles in space, you'll see the, the similarities to dogfights or bombing formations in war movies. And funny enough, Lucas supposedly even used sequences from a few old movies as placeholders when he was editing together Star Wars. Like he actually put pieces of film from the old movies into his own movie to show what it was going to look like before they were actually finished, before he actually finished filming Star Wars himself. So there are, there are tons of other borrowed elements in Star Wars as well. Looking at this, like, what the hell? Is, is Star Wars, you know, it's one of the most successful movie franchises in history. Is it just a ripoff? And does it deserve the praise it gets for originality? And I, I don't know, Jake, what are your thoughts on that? I don't know. I'm I'm personally not a fan of Star Wars, but it is popular and it's been popular for a long time. And I don't think that it would be that way without good reason, you know, regardless of his influences or what or how much he pulled from. He made something that a lot of people like, clearly. And I think it's incredibly difficult to create something that stands the test of time like Star Wars has. So I, I give him full credit and, and high praise for pulling it all together and, and making it entertaining and cohesive. Yeah, it's, I mean, there's, yeah, there's definitely something to be said for making something that is timeless, or if it's, even if it's not timeless, that it's lasted, what now, 40 years or, or, or more that it's been popular? Beats Can't me. do math. Yeah. <laughs> but it works because George Lucas didn't just make another flash gordon movie and he didn't just make another western or world war ii movie he combined all of those influences and more into something that became undeniably original but also still recognizable to a lot of different people so if if anybody was a fan of flash gordon 
or Flash Gordon-style sci-fi, they would be into Star Wars. Anybody who liked Westerns would feel a connection to it. Or if you liked war movies, you'd be into it. So it just ticked all of those boxes. And he was able to make the movies feel familiar because he used those popular influences. But he was also able to make them feel original because he used so many influences, just dozens and dozens. And if you're interested, just in my research on this, for this episode, I found some websites that have just tons of of influences that George Lucas himself kind of lists off. So he just used a bunch. So let's tie this all back to your music business. All this to say, this big, long story, unique in the traditional sense is not always a good thing. And at the same time, similar in the traditional sense is not always a bad thing. To make something that's true art and successful, you know, like actually successful within your lifetime, which is important if you're trying to run a business, you need to have a balance of both things, originality and familiarity. In fact, if you rip off enough people at the same time, it's no longer really a ripoff. It becomes original again. So it's it's kind of funny how that works. So let's see if we can think of a musical equivalent for Star Wars. Can you think of any bands or artists that have really pulled this off and, and combined a bunch of varied influences into something that sounded unique? Mm, there's a few that I could think of uh, right off the top would be one of my favorite bands whose name is Issues. They're like a modern metal band that has synthesizers and R&B singing, like really good R&B pop vocals. And and I think the cool thing about them is that they incorporate so many genres that sometimes there's like space filler where they they can't really continue the genre that they were doing in this part of the song and the way they bridge the two pieces together is really interesting sometimes. So if you haven't listened to them, even if it's not your your taste in music, I would say go check them out. Their name is Issues. Yeah, another another band like that would be Bring Me the Horizon, which who knew this was coming from them because they started as the most metal of metal bands in from my early teen years yeah, really like a, a metal band that you couldn't even show your mom because of how <laughs> graphic and and yeah just graphic the lyrics were and you know dirty and explicit and whatever and i remember being so offended by them the first yeah, time i heard them <laughs> they were insane and, the, and even and they took it even more authentic to to stage like not saying that some of the stuff they did back in the day was the coolest stuff but like they were full-on rock stars you know what i mean they didn't care and, you know, maybe they saw the future, but now they're the biggest, I would consider them the biggest band to transcend that genre of our generation. Agreed. Yeah. So they're, they're another band that it's, it's like, but they do it in a way where they're, they're pulling from so many genres in so many different ways that you can't even tell what, what genres they're pulling from. It's just like, they're listening to whatever they want to listen to and whatever makes it in, it makes it in. And it, it, it just is Bring Me the Horizon, and it's a very unique sound. Right. Both of those are perfect examples, because I also really liked what you said about kind of connecting ideas and how in, like, the transitions between genre 
mashups like in an issue song or even in bring me the horizon like that's really where the originality comes because in order to make r&b and metal work together you need to have something unique and original it almost requires it so that's a really good point yeah you gotta like find the i don't find a way to yeah like what we're saying a way to connect them but on the other side of the spectrum on on like the pop side you have someone like poppy and if you don't know about poppy she started as a and i don't know about her early career but when i found her she was just a i would call her a performance artist on youtube she wasn't really performing but she was she does this sort of acting and it set them up really well to have like a cult following and now she's she's been releasing music for a few years and she does everything from pop to reggae to metal she just got signed to Sumerian she's done shows with bring, bring me the horizon and like i don't know whatever they're doing with her marketing is great and 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 she she's definitely a genre bender to say the least i haven't heard her off to check her out yeah check her out for sure everybody check her out p o p p y that's one of her songs p o p p y on poppy <laughs> and then I guess the last one I could think of is is in the hip-hop genre, or if you, if you could even call it hip-hop. I don't even know what you would call it. One of my favorite artists right now, Toby Lou, T-O-B-I space L-O-U. He's, uh, he's got an extremely unique sound. Like, it's somehow it's familiar, and I can't put my finger on, like, why it's familiar, but it's so, so fresh and unlike anything else I've heard before that I love it. And I was skeptical at first because of like, I don't know, I didn't like the his hit song because of how big it was on TikTok. I got really annoyed with it, but the full song is actually really cool. And like all of his other songs are really cool. Like he he samples things from from not music, but pop culture. So he'll sample videos of like he has a song called Waterboy and I'm pretty sure in there is a sample from Adam Sandler's movie Waterboy. He samples, you know, funny vines that are, you know, we're all familiar with on, on some some level. There's an office sample in one of his songs, a few of his songs. And just the way he sets things up, it's like, it's like pop and hip hop, but like it's not at the same time. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. Check out Toby Lou. Check out Toby Lou and let me know, know what you guys think of Toby Lou. Sure, yeah. Objectively, not subjectively, because even though you might not like his music, you can still agree with me that he's he's doing really well at what he does. And making something original. And I think what you said about pop culture, uh, like not just music influences, but he's using influences from outside of music, yeah. like TV shows. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing that I think a lot of artists forget about when they're trying to think of an influence is that they, they just think about musical influences and they sort of disregard the anything greater else. yeah the greater world out there that mm-hmm. there's so much more that you can draw influence from you can draw influence from visual art from like paintings or yeah. whatever so i think where most artists get this mixed up is when they confuse influence with emulation and I think this is something that's really easy to do. And you've probably been here. I know I've been here. I probably spent more time here than I've spent not here when it comes to writing music. But you hear a song that you just instantly love and you think it's just absolutely genius and you become obsessed with this song. 
and you, you listen to it over and over and over again. You dissect every little thing about it and try and figure out how it works just to sit down and write your next song and thinking that you're going to make, you know, the next version of fill in the blank, whatever that song is. So what you end up writing while not being plagiarism, it sounds just like the song that you loved so much. So this would be emulation, not influence. And it'll almost never get you anywhere in your career, you know, like unless you're a cover band (laughs) and then you should emulate like crazy and just do it better than anybody else. But Jake, I know we've talked about this before and had conversations about this idea of trying to make something that sounds like something else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's only natural to happen every once in a while because, you know, people like what they like for a reason. People write what they write for a reason. One of those main reasons is that they want to like what they write. So ultimately they'll probably end up writing something that sounds similar to something they like somewhere along the line, somewhere down the road. I mean, honestly, I write music that would be, that I would at least consider like alternative pop or something. And the day after one of my releases, this person said that I ripped off Fetty Wap. Now, as big of a of a hip hop fan as I am, I'm not super into Fetty Wap. I'm not out here stealing full on melodies from from artists. Like a couple notes on accident, subconsciously it happens. Whatever. Right. It does. It's impossible to avoid. Right. Right. And I. It's not like I purposely stole a melody from Fetty. It had just reminded her of a song that she heard by him decided to be rude about it and you know it's all a matter of opinion i guess right so there that there's definitely that difference is that sometimes yeah this just happens and i think that's the moral of the story is that this is really hard to get right and it's a struggle for everybody and sometimes it happens purely by mistake where it's not emulation you weren't trying to sound like fetty wop it just happened that somebody heard it and thought it sounded similar and We've only talked about music so far. I mean, this idea is huge. The the idea of different yet familiar really applies to every aspect of your brand. It could be your style or how you talk and interact with your fans or how you handle your social media, the look of your social media. Everything has to be different yet familiar and none of it can feel derivative. But you also can't go too far out there either, or nobody will connect with it. You know what I mean? It's riding that fine line and finding the balance. So I think that that there's a lot to think about here. One more thing I want to bring up before we wrap up this episode, and we touched extremely briefly on the idea of plagiarism and copyright infringement a little earlier. And this is obviously a huge thing in the music industry. So... To me, it seems like at least monthly, I hear about some high-profile artist being sued over copyright infringement allegations. And while some of those cases might be based on innocent coincidences, and some of them might be based on actual theft of intellectual property, I think the prevalence of the issue really speaks, again, to the difficulty of pulling this off right. It isn't easy to be different yet familiar, And sometimes you emulate or even straight up copy something by accident. And 
I don't know about you, Jake, but like to me, this is like a really scary aspect of like songwriting and the whole art of songwriting. I worry about this and I can't tell you how many times I've written something that I thought was just like, you know, amazing. Like this is the best thing I've ever written. Yeah. Only to realize later that it's like exactly the same as, or even just really similar oh, yeah. to something that's already out there that I heard. Mm-hmm. And I, I think good songs have a way of kind of sneaking into your head when you're not paying attention and rearranging themselves into something that's just disguised as your idea. And I'm sure you've had this happen to you too, right? Yeah. So a fairly recent incident where this happened was, I'm not going to mention the name, I guess, but there, an artist that I really like had recently put out a song and then a week or two later, I went to do a feature on one of my friend's songs at his studio and I went and recorded the verse and I come out of the booth and I'm listening to it back. I'm like, damn, this sounds really familiar. <laughs> and then it hits me and it is same key, same melody, all pretty much 100% the same melody as this artist's song. And I didn't even mean to. Yeah, it just like happens. But I think the important thing is that when you do realize that or someone brings it up, you analyze and if if it is, scrap it. Don't get yourself yeah. in legal trouble. And, right, yeah, it's and not worth it. To touch on your point about the the recent lawsuits and everything like that, I think there's so we have kids that are like our age and younger. We have kid we, there's people all over. I'm not even going to try to start with ages cuz I just saw like an eight-year-old kid that blows me out of the water ripping bass and mixing it and all this other stuff the other day. Like could be Mike Dean's child type beat. <laughs> I mean, if you're if you're pulling up a Whitney Houston song and sampling the first 10 seconds of the song where the, her vocals aren't there, and then you're just pulling that into FL or Logic or Audacity... And, and throwing your drums and your plug 808 over it, like, get sued, dude. Like, do something else with it. You know what I mean? Like, in those True. situations, in those situations, I think you should have got it cleared. You should yeah. have taken the precautions and the proper steps to get that cleared. But sometimes it is an accident. Sometimes you may play a piano melody, or maybe you thought whatever that the law is with with you have to alter the sample x amount for it to be okay yeah in those situations it's different like yeah that sucks and i and you didn't mean to do that so i think i think there's different there's different sides to it for sure yeah i think that the idea of samples too just adds like a whole nother dimension to, to this and that's a whole can of worms we could probably do a whole episode on about the, the legal implications of that, using samples, how to make sure that you're, you know, changing something enough so that it is no longer recognizable. Because there are tons of examples that I can think of, even recent ones, where somebody sampled something and they thought <laughs> that they changed the sample enough to not have it be recognizable anymore yeah. until the original artist hears it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they say, wait a second, that's my song slowed down by... 80 percent or something yeah you know? yeah yeah like chop it up do some cool stuff with it like sample it dude right like you use it as an instrument right so i mean that's a whole another thing that we could we could talk about yeah and yeah you just have to with all of this you just have to be careful i think when the like awesome ideas 
seem to like materialize out of nowhere. I find for myself, this is when this happens the most when I accidentally write something that's already out there. It's when I get into the zone and I'm like, I don't know, walking, walking to my car or something. And it's like out of nowhere, this whole, like an entire song hits me. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, I just wrote this whole song. That's amazing. In like 10 seconds. Those are the times when I think you need to just take a step back and think about what influences you have in every song that you make. Mm -hmm. So it's better to be conscious of what influences you're drawing on. So that way you you can make sure that you're drawing on a bunch of influences and not just one. So in, in that example, if you're right, if you just, a, a song just flows out of you and then you're trying to think of what are my influences for this? Like, what have I heard that made me write something like this? Th that's the kind of situation where you're going to come up with a song that might sound exactly like it that influence might pop into your head. So you mm -hmm. want to just kind of check yourself. I find for myself, for whatever reason, I always realize that I've ripped something off when I'm showering. Like I'll be in the shower, just like with my song that I've written, yeah, yeah. quote unquote, running through my head. And I'll be like, oh, now yeah. I know what that is. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes for me, it's like, it's kind of like the same thing, usually in the shower, or in the car, but I've written something and then I'm like jamming out to like one of my favorite songs or one of my artist's favorite new EPs and that and the song comes on shuffle. I'm like, oh, that's where I got that really great idea from. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And hopefully that happens before you've recorded it and put it out. Mm -hmm. Hopefully. So all this being said, go out there and find a bunch of influences and and use them. But make sure you find a bunch just go out and make a bunch of new music for your brand. So I want to give you an exercise that you can use to try and do this effectively. I want you to, to try this. Choose five different influences. That sounds like a lot, but just give it a shot. Choose five influences, and the more different from one another, the better. And write a song that's consciously informed by all of them equally in some way. Of course, without copying anything. You're not taking little bits of melody or anything like that. I'm talking about overall just vibe or, or sound, using them as true influences, letting them shape what you write. And I think if you do that, you might surprise yourself and make something that feels completely original in the end, even though you are kind of basing it around general vibe of other songs. So to wrap this up, I hope this has helped you kind of reshape the way you think about using influences for your music and your brand. Using influence is different from emulating, which in turn is different from copying. So don't fall into the trap of using too few influences to inform your work. If you mix things up and keep it diverse, you'll write the best music of your life and you'll make great moves for the rest of your brand. So go out there and you know get after it go on use those influences